Loneliness is so pervasive today that some call it a public health crisis. Yet how can people feel so lonely at a time when we're more connected than ever? It's because loneliness isn't solved by making more friends or getting more social, but it starts with you right where you are. Let's talk about that. This is the Shut Up Devil Show. I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of the app Shut Up Devil. I'm all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life, and I am here to do it every single week with a live online audience, and I'd love for you to join me live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org slash live. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like nobody is there, (laughs) even in the middle of a crowd, forgotten, like nobody would care or even notice if you would just disappear? Chances are that about half of you have felt that at some point, and that one in five of you even feel that right now. That's the stats. Those are the symptoms of one of the most searched topics on Google today and one of the most frequent prayer requests, they say, that ministries receive every day. It's a detrimental feeling, so pervasive right now, so much so, so destructive and pervasive, that some are calling it a public health crisis, and it's called loneliness. Now, of course, loneliness isn't just a modern thing. I'd say the feeling might go back to the very beginning. I'm just speculating here, but God's admission in Genesis 2, 218, where he says that it's not good for the man, speaking of Adam particularly, he says it's not good for the man to be alone. Well, I would maybe say that he said that because he perceived Adam's loneliness. That's why God said next in the next sentence, I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Now, that's a key statement when it comes to healing loneliness. We're going to talk about that here a little bit later. But even if Adam didn't suffer loneliness like we think of it today, plenty of people in the Bible did. Joseph did. Moses did. King David did. Just about all the prophets did, especially Jeremiah. The Samaritan woman at the well did. Jesus did. The apostles did. Of course, those examples are all back in the day before people could hop on a plane and be across the country in a few hours, back before cell phones and all of our modern communication devices and platforms. So it might seem more understandable why those people way back then might be lonely, but today, a time when we are more connected and more available and more social, more surrounded by people than ever before, how is loneliness such an issue that is being considered a crisis? Well, it's because loneliness isn't about popularity. It's not about the amount of friends you have. It's not about the size of your family. Some of the loneliest people are leaders or celebrities who are surrounded by literally hundreds, if not thousands of people all the time. Loneliness isn't really so much about the number of people in your life. Loneliness is more about feeling misunderstood by people, and that makes the cure for it more than just about adding people to your life. Because I know some of you have tried that, but it hadn't worked, has it? I think King David is a good example of this. As king of God's people, he undoubtedly had soldiers, 
who reported to him. He had servants. He had at least seven wives and many children, so marriage isn't always the cure for loneliness either. But you read David's Psalms, like Psalm 25, 16, and you hear him cry out to God about being lonely. David's loneliness was from being misunderstood. At his level, he believed he had no one to relate to, no one who could understand his situations, or really even him himself. You could say that any loneliness that Jesus felt was the result of the same thing. You talk to anyone these days, and that's kind of what they're saying. That's the heart of their loneliness, too. And speaking of talking to people, I just have to say this here, just quickly. A little, maybe, side note. I hear from a lot of Christians who confess to me that they're lonely. A lot of you tuned in, because that's what you're feeling. And of the Christians that I talk to, I haven't met one yet who doesn't at least believe that God is present. Now, some believe he's present, but mad at them, and that's another message. But at some level, lonely believers understand that God is present. I mean, certainly David, even though he was complaining about being lonely, he knew that about God's presence. Adam did too. Definitely Jesus did. So why do I say this? Because many well-meaning Christians, and we preachers are bad about this, we try to cure someone's loneliness with a bunch of scriptures or reminders about God's presence. And yes, knowing God is present is comforting. It's especially comforting to know that the God who loves you is near to you, and He is. But knowing about God's presence alone doesn't usually cure loneliness because God created us to need more than His presence. Now, before some of you stone me, you have to hear me out, okay? Obviously, God's presence is most important in our lives. And sometimes it is all we have for seasons. And in those moments, with the help of God's grace, it is enough. But we already saw how God said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. So right there, we see that God wired people to need people. In Psalm 68, 6, you got to look at this one. I love this verse. Psalm 68, 6. David says, this is, this is a psalm of David. He says, God places the lonely in families. In other words, he puts people with people, but not just any people. The word for families there is the Hebrew word mishpaha. And that's not just a group of any old people. It doesn't even have to mean a biological family. God knows it. Many of us don't feel like we fit in with the family we were born into. A mishpaha is a social unit of like-minded people, could be friends. So what I'm saying here, and what David was saying here, is that God's answer for loneliness is putting people with the right people or person. You know, it only takes two to make a group. We have to remember that loneliness is not about the amount of people, and I'm going to probably say that a few times, because we've got to get it. It's about the right people or person. Again, if we go back to Adam, when God said it's not good for the man to be alone, his answer to that loneliness was, 
I will make a helper who is just right for him. To not feel alone, Adam didn't need many people. He just needed the right person. So before we move on in this message, and we're going to get super practical here in a little bit, but let me just speak right to those of you who feel lonely right now. I know it's painful. In fact, scientifically, loneliness affects the same part of the brain that's associated with physical pain. So there is a real hurt. It's like a sucker punch. There is a real hurt to loneliness. And that hurt can create a vicious cycle of self-defeating behavior and thoughts that actually do isolate you from people, which only compounds the hurt and builds the loneliness, and round and round it goes. But the good news, for all the reasons that I've just described, the healing of your loneliness doesn't mean you have to go out and make a bunch of new friends. The healing of your loneliness doesn't mean you have to be super social at all. Introverts, you don't have to become extroverts. I'm not saying that you're completely off the hook. Like any healing and progress, there's often a process. And we'll get into some of the practical things to do, because there are. But as you'll see in a few minutes, the first and most crucial step to healing loneliness involves just you. Involves your heart. Right where you are. Now, to help you understand what I mean, I'm going to use my story, okay? Hope you're okay with that. Because you're listening to someone who has battled loneliness at deep levels for a good portion of my life so far. In fact, it's probably been more recently in the last, you know, maybe five years or so that I've made great progress in this area. And it's not because I've gained more friends. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you were to look at my last, my life in the last few years compared to maybe a decade ago, I've significantly reduced the amount of time I spend with people and definitely the amount of people I spend time with. Where the healing started is that I finally began to get okay with me. I finally stopped being ashamed of me, which led me to the right people, even if it's just a few of them. A little backstory. Those of you who've followed me for a while, if you've read any of my books, been through my e-courses, followed me, social media, wherever, you have undoubtedly heard me talk about what my child was like and some of the pain in childhood that I had while growing up. Now, it wasn't from a lack of people or even good people. I have two good parents, three older brothers. Everyone was very present in my life, good family. But as far back as I can remember, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel understood by anybody, not even by my own family. When it came to kids my age, I didn't like many of the same things they did, and I didn't share many of their interests, from subjects of conversations to the kind of music that I listened to. I mean, it was always different. Then I became a Christian at 16 and broke the old family tradition, and then that added to it all the more. Nobody understood me. So what naturally happens when you feel misunderstood is that you begin to internalize it as something wrong with you. You think, there's a reason why I don't relate to other people. There's a reason why other people don't seem to care about me or want me or accept me. And that reason must be me. I must be wrong. Well, that belief is called shame. And a lot of us have had it from childhood. Some of us, 
Maybe it started later in life. It could be from some event in your life, maybe mistakes that you made, regrets that you have, struggles that you face that make you believe that nobody can relate to you, that nobody would want to relate to you because you did something wrong, you feel something wrong, you are someone wrong. That's shame. As a child, the belief that I was someone wrong began to create a lens through which I saw everything. You might call it a mindset. And this mindset resulted in self-sabotaging behaviors that really did cause real isolation from people. At the thought of a social event, my mind automatically went to the negative. Nobody will sit with me. Nobody will talk to me. Everybody will think I'm weird. Those are the kinds of things that rolled through my mind even when I thought about talking to people. So that generally kept me isolated because I didn't take part in many social things. But even when I did kind of come out of my shell a little bit and did talk to people, still that insecurity in me kept me pretty much to myself or only to those with whom I was already familiar. I remember, and it was probably my first year of college, when I came back home and I was talking with some people from my high school youth group. And I was explaining to her about some of my insecurities. It was really starting to open up. And she almost started to tear up because she said she always thought that I was just arrogant. And hearing that was a real eye-opener for me, but I've come to learn that is a common thing with people who face insecurity. People mistake shyness for being stuck up. Maybe you knew that. I thought people didn't want to be friends with me because of something wrong with me. I came to learn that other people didn't approach me because they thought that I thought something was wrong with them. <laughs> I could tell so many stories about how this all affected me and self-defeating ways, but I mean, you see how it creates behaviors that only perpetuate loneliness? And this feeling of loneliness lasted until my early 30s. It lasted through being part of large churches, being in leadership and ministries, having various groups of friends that I saw on a regular basis. I mean, there was a point in my life where I was with people almost all the time, and I probably felt lonelier than ever. And that's because though I was around a lot of people, I just didn't feel understood by people around me. And therefore, I didn't feel totally connected. And that's what loneliness is. So my first step to healing my loneliness was to change how I see me. I had to stop seeing all my differences as disqualifiers. I had to stop seeing all my quirks as deficiencies. I had to stop seeing myself as wrong. And I had to start seeing myself as someone fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God with differences either designed or at least redeemed for a greater purpose. Ephesians 2.10 helped me with this. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago before you or I were ever even conceived. We began as a plan in the mind of God. Get that. You began as a plan in the mind of God, and in creating you, He worked backward from that plan so that your personality, 
shapes of your features, the way you think, the way you process information. A lot of the things that make you feel like you are an outsider are actually the things that God crafted in order for you to fit his plan. Now, sure, a lot of people won't get you because of some of those things. A lot of people may misunderstand you because of some of those things, but that's not a problem with you. I'm telling you, the sooner you're able to accept yourself and be yourself, the sooner you will find connection with the right people, even if it's just one or two. It's funny because just this last weekend, I attended a Super Bowl party with a church group, and there were probably 25 people there. Now, just five years ago, I probably would have tried to act like I was interested in the game in order to be accepted. And I would have left feeling lonely even though there were 25 people around me. But this time, I showed up as me, Kyle. The guy who's never been interested in football and isn't going to pretend to be. And I had zero shame about it. <laughs> and so I went and I sat outside on the back porch with maybe a few other people who were the same as me. And I just had the best time ever. Yeah, people may have peered out there being like, why is he sitting out there? Didn't bother me. And that's just how I try to approach things these days. I mean, my mindset has kind of become take me or leave me, but this is me. And that kind of shame-free mindset has helped me connect with the right people, fit for me. And I'll tell you, I feel more joyful and battle less moments of depression from finally feeling understood by just a handful of people these days than I ever did when I was spending time around a lot of people. Now hear me. And I say this with no condemnation. A lot of you are feeling lonely because you haven't found peace with yourself, so you can't be authentic. So please take this in, meditate on it, rehearse it, and repeat it until you believe it if you have to. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God with qualities that fit you for a plan that He has. And even the sins and the struggles and the mistakes and the regrets that maybe you've accumulated along the way, those don't have to mean anything about you to disqualify you from relationship with anyone. And certainly not with relationship with God. If you are in Christ, the power of those things has been taken away. I know that doesn't mean everybody's going to forgive you. It doesn't mean everybody's going to understand you or like you or accept you. That's life. But you don't need everyone's acceptance anyway. It's as I've been saying, and I hope I'm being clear here. When you're able to be at peace with your past and your present, with what you did and who you are, you will naturally connect with people who get you, even if it's only a few. So all of what I said there is the first step. And the most crucial step. If this is the only one you get, this is the most important one. It's embracing who you are. That's the first step and healing loneliness. Embrace who you are. Like I said earlier, the good thing is it just has to do with you, right where you are. If you need extra help with this, we've got resources. My Gift of You series right here, it's one of them that'll help you. But let's build on this with three more very practical steps that you can apply to start to 
walk out of loneliness and into a life that's more genuine and therefore more confident and therefore more connected with the right people. Second step, you have to change your negative lens. I just told you about how when I would even think about social situations, I'd automatically imagine being rejected. In my 20s, if I walked into a room and saw people laughing in the corner, I thought they were laughing at me. Well, most of us who battle loneliness, this is what we're doing. We are imagining lies. And unless you're made aware of it, you just continue in this negative mindset. It almost becomes the natural way of thinking. And you just get more and more and more isolated from people because you are just sure that they don't want to have anything to do with you for one reason or another. Like I said, those are imaginations. Those are downright lies. And now that you're aware, you've got to tell yourself that whenever they pop into your head. When you hear, they're going to think you're weird, you say, that's a lie. When you hear, they just think I'm a bad parent, you say, that's a lie. When you hear, they're not going to want anything to do with me, you say, that's a lie. And as you do this, as you start to (laughs) speak to your lies and shut them up and shut them down, you're going to start to recognize those defeated thoughts much more quickly in the future so that you can do the most important thing after you shut them down is replace them when they pop up. Replace them with thoughts of success. Begin to see yourself as accepted. I mean, really visualize it. In Psalm 16.8, King David, I love it. He says, I have set the Lord before me, so I shall not be shaken. He couldn't physically see God in the natural, so he imagined God there in his situation, which calmed him down. So there's a biblical basis for visualizing things. I'm not talking about kind of in a new age way where you think visualization actually makes it manifest. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using it to cast out false imaginations and put better thoughts into you. Like the Bible says, think on things that are good and pure and right and worthy of praise. That's what I'm talking about. The truth is, you are just as likely to be accepted by people as you are to be rejected by them. A lot of us think we're so much more likely to be rejected, but that's, that's not true. So before that phone call, before that meeting, before that social gathering, I mean, actually see yourself. Maybe you've got to close your eyes and actually visualize it, but see yourself in a good conversation. See yourself making friends. See yourself connecting with people. See yourself smiling and laughing. That Mindset change will do so much to break the cycle of negativity that's keeping you from real connection. Okay, the third step of the process of healing loneliness is to start to recognize self-sabotaging behaviors. You know, studies have shown that people can recognize loneliness That's not because there's an aura around you or something. It's because the insecurity that accompanies loneliness changes our demeanor and it affects what we do. I told you how my insecurity was mistaken for arrogance. All those negative thoughts were running through my mind, which kept me from talking to anybody. And people thought that was me just judging them. (laughs) Little did they know it was very much the opposite. I was judging me. And then later, as I said, when I finally came out of my shell, 
And I did talk to people. I was so concerned with being accepted and them liking me that I just focused so much on being interesting instead of being interested. That's a practical hint, by the way, which will help you be more likable in general. Ask people questions. Be interested. Let them talk a whole lot about themselves than you ever do yourself. The favorite thing people like to talk about is themselves. And if they leave a phone call or a meeting with you in which you just let them go on and on about their kids or their job or just how good things are going in their life. I mean, you might want to barf, but you just let them go on with whatever, and they will leave that conversation feeling like you just treated them so well. So, with absolutely no condemnation again, none of this is pressure. None of this is me saying that you need to do this because you're bad. No condemnation. Maybe begin to reflect upon how you act and talk around people. Are you always trying to push a belief or an opinion on them? Do you always try to change them? Do you only talk about yourself or dominate the conversation? There may be some behaviors that insecurity has created in you that's really keeping you from connection. So note those. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you correct those things and do what you can to address them. You'll never be perfect in it all. Perfect is not the goal. But even some small adjustments can make huge differences. And the last practical step is to actually be proactive about connecting with people like you. This is really the only one where you reach out. If your family isn't like you, that's okay. Don't ice them out of your life, but your family doesn't have to be the solution to your loneliness. A lot of us are trying to force-fit people into our lives that just are never going to fit with us. I mean, classmates and co-workers and siblings and even kids. You know, it's great if they do. You can have a relationship with them. I mean, I think that's, of course, good to do, but they don't have to be the solution to your loneliness. Listen, if this group or that group, or this church, or that church doesn't get you, find one that does. I mean, I see a lot of people who are part of churches that they really don't like, and that really don't like them, and I think, why? There's nothing sacred about suffering inside of a group or a tradition that doesn't appreciate you or add any value to you. You don't gain any more crowns in heaven for that. <laughs> I better get off that topic, but as I've been saying, Loneliness isn't just healed by being around people. It's healed when you feel understood. Are there some groups you could attend in person or even online? Don't just reject something because it's online. People find real connection there. I mean, most, most dating relationships start online these days, okay? So there can be real connection found online too, but are there some groups? people like you that you could search for. I just met a lady at a church last week in South Florida. She leads a weekly online group 
for people who have cancer and people who are their caretakers. She was telling me how a lot of times those people feel extra lonely because nobody really understands their situation, whether they're suffering with cancer or survive cancer or whether they're the caretaker of cancer. There are unique things that people who just haven't been through it don't get. Could be any health issues, could be anything that you're dealing with in your life. Maybe a topical group made up of people in your same circumstance would be helpful for you. And thankfully, you can find just about anything online. People say that volunteering for causes that they're passionate about really helps with loneliness. So my advice on this step is just get proactive. Do some searches for groups with people like you or with people who are going through or who have been through things like you. Remember that verse here. Psalm 68.6. God places the lonely in families. Remember, that doesn't mean biological families. It means groups of others like you. And it just might be one other person. Doesn't have to be a lot. But getting there is a process. It is a process. That involves four steps. Embracing who you are, that is most important. Changing your negative lens. Recognizing self-sabotaging behaviors. And then finding those like-minded people in that order. Now, I know I packed a lot into everything I said there. So some of you, you're going to need to re-listen to all of those steps and this message and really reflect on them. But I also know that some of you need more help with this than one message can give. And that's why I created my Rejecting Rejection e-course. It's really to help you hone in on getting at peace with you so that you can find connection with others. So I've got 30 seconds here, just a quick clip, and then I'm going to be right back. Let me ask you, how would your life change if memories of past rejection no longer hurt? What could you do if you weren't afraid of being rejected in the future? Maybe you think it's not possible. I've dealt with this for so long, but I'm here to tell you it is. If you've read any of my books or heard me speak, you know that the pain and fear of rejection ruled my life for so long. But I found real healing and freedom, and you can too. That's why I created my e-course, Rejecting Rejection. In it, I hold your hand to explore the scientific, psychological, and spiritual roots of your fear of rejection. I show you methods to reprogram your brain to be confident and courageous. We go through spiritual insights, reflections, and applications to heal your rejection-related wounds. And there's so much more. So what do you say? Are you ready to be unshackled from the fear of rejection? Then join me now. Visit rejectioncourse.com to get started. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and He is for you. We're here for you too. Every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.